Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it is a Wednesday. It's September 13th. I do hope the day is going well for you so far. So appreciate your listenership here at EWTN. And this is the feast day of St. John Chrysostom, the golden tongue. And he was a great preacher. And we were talking about him in the first hour of my show during our membership drive for Ave Maria Radio. We always talk about the feast day for today. Tomorrow is the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And then Friday is a feast of Our Lady of Sorrow. So it's a very big week in terms of saints and feast days and and what a gift all of these events are and all of these saints are in the one holy catholic and apostolic faith also a gift being able to talk about the things that matter most as al always says al cresta where would we be if we couldn't discuss religious freedom for example which is going to be the focus of our program today we have two religious freedom experts we have Rob Muse, who's from my neck of the woods in southeastern Michigan, American Freedom Law Center, who was just on with me yesterday, by the way, talking about the importance of Catholic radio uh, during our fall membership drive. But we have a victory that he's going to report, and it's a very unique story in terms of land owned by a Catholic health organization regarding being able to pray on this land that they own. So we'll talk about that and how they were just recently afforded a victory. So when I saw that press release come out, Right after I had, really, literally, a few hours after I got off the air with Rob, I emailed him and said, can you come on the show? We have to talk about this. And then there is still a case that has to go through adjudication, adjudication through the courts. Wisconsin Supreme Court to decide if serving the poor is religious. Apparently, they haven't heard about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. All right, well, we'll talk about that with the wonderful folks at Beckett Religious Liberty. A Catholic ministry will be in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and it actually happened this week because this press release is dated September 6th, to explain that its care for the poor, the elderly, and the disabled are part of its religious mission. Who knew? Pardon my sarcasm. In Catholic Charities Bureau versus Wisconsin Labor and Industrial Review Commission, the Wisconsin Supreme Court agreed earlier this year to review a lower court decision finding that the Catholic Charities Bureau's charitable activities were not religious. Now, this decision meant that the organization was barred from leaving the state's unemployment compensation program and joining the Wisconsin Catholic Church's more efficient unemployment program. Most Catholic dioceses, according to Beckett, have a social ministry arm that serves those in need. Catholic Charities carries out this important work for the Diocese of Superior Wisconsin by helping the disabled, the elderly, and those living in poverty, regardless of their faith. This duty to serve everyone in need comes directly from Catholic Church teaching and advances the church's religious mission by carrying out the corporal works of mercy, which we just mentioned. So we'll talk about that with Beckett Fund coming up right after we interview Rob Muse. So religious freedom is the focus of our show for today. Hey, uh, someone who was trying to get free where he should have been behind bars is now caught. And that is the, the murder suspect in Pennsylvania who escaped Breaking news this morning, we'll have that uh, in our news in just a second. First, I want to tell you about the weather. So there's still some concern about winds and surf issues regarding Tropical Storm Lee. It's still causing a lot of problems along the East Coast. So let's take a look and see what's going on. Here we go. Just pulling it up on my computer. So what we have here, we have an approaching cold front. We'll be producing another round of heavy showers and strong thunderstorms in the northeast and into the mid-Atlantic. Now, swells from major Hurricane Lee 
continue to produce dangerous surf and life-threatening rip currents. And this is happening along the East Coast. And if you look at the map, you can see it's kind of up and down the East Coast in various parts, also affecting the areas all the way down to Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So that's what we're looking at weather-wise, according to the National Weather Service. Right now, though, we need to get to the news because it's already four minutes past the hour on a busy Wednesday morning. And don't forget, please support EWTN along with your local Catholic radio station because we work hand-in-hand to bring you 24-7 Catholic programming. We can't do it without you, and we can't do it without each other. EWTN distributes the programming for free, but all of the stations and EW10 need to pay for that somehow, right? We give the programming away because that's the way Mother Angelica wanted to do it because individually it would be very, very difficult for a small radio station to have the, the, the overhead to, to pay for the support staff, all that technology on their own. So this is why they provide that programming for free. And then individually then, those stations such as ours, Ave Maria Radio, as well as EW10, we need to pay the bills. We need to pay the electric bill. We need to pay the water bill. We need to pay, you know, keeping the the lights on, basically, as I said, and to pay for the equipment and the small amount of staff that they have at the various radio stations to keep things running. So keep your local Catholic radio station in your prayers, and if you can donate financially, that would be very helpful. And, of course, always EW10 as well, because, again, we work together to bring you great programming. All right, speaking of which, let's get started on a Wednesday morning with the news, September 13th, 2023. More than 5,000 people are presumed dead, and the number is way, way up from that even, even from this morning. This after catastrophic flooding hit the North African country in recent days. Mark Mayfield has that story. Officials said on Tuesday that another 10,000 are believed to be missing. Torrential rain caused two dams to burst, sweeping away entire neighborhoods and destroying homes. In a statement, President Biden said the U.S. is sending emergency funds to relief organizations and coordinating with the Libyan authorities and the U.N. to provide additional support. The city of Derna, one of the worst-hit areas, has been declared a disaster zone. The Vatican, meanwhile, saying in a telegram that the Holy Father Pope Francis was deeply saddened by the national tragedy, offering prayers to the country as it works to address a disaster and rescue those still affected by it. On Tuesday, the Vatican sending a telegram to the Apostolic Nuncio in Libya in which the Holy See said Pope Francis again deeply saddened to learn of the immense loss of life and destruction caused by the flooding in the eastern part of Libya. Now, the disaster comes just days after a devastating earthquake rocked the nearby country of Morocco, killing nearly 3,000 by Tuesday and sending relief workers scrambling to rescue trapped victims and provide material assistance in that part of the world. Well, an expert says civic leaders and the owners of old brick buildings need to learn lessons from the recent earthquake in Morocco. These are experts from the state of California. Nearly 3,000 people again were killed, and most were crushed under the weight of unreinforced masonry. Now, Craig Chamberlain is the president of the Structural Engineering Association of Southern California and says some of their buildings in that state are very similar to those in Morocco. The masonry structures there are similar to those structures here in Southern California in the way that they're unreinforced, meaning they don't have any reinforcing within the walls to resist earthquake loads. And those types of buildings are certainly susceptible to earthquake damage. Construction of unreinforced brick buildings was banned in the 30s after the magnitude 6.4 Long Beach earthquake of 1933. Chamberlain says at least three-quarters of the potentially dangerous buildings have been retrofitted, but hundreds more need attention before the inevitable next large earthquake turns them into, he says, death traps. 
A federal appeals court has unanimously ruled in favor of a Catholic group that said a social gov- local government in Michigan violated federal religious freedom law when it blocked the use of the group's 40-acre property for a stations of the Cross Trail. Now, this is what we'll be discussing in just a few minutes with attorney Rob Muse. And Rob Muse spoke with CNA yesterday, saying that this 40-acre rural property can now be used again for religious worship and religious expression. He said, we're obviously very, very pleased by that. And, of course, Rob is the co-founder of the American... You're not being allowed to use your land for religious worship to display religious symbols that obviously impacts a right to religious freedom. Muse, by the way, was on the legal team presenting the plaintiff in the case, Catholic Healthcare International. And again, Rob Muse joining us right after the break. Well, as we said at the top of the hour, we do have uh, some breaking news regarding that escapee in Pennsylvania. After a massive manhunt, the convicted killer who escaped from a Pennsylvania prison has finally been captured. Authorities say they arrested Danilo Cavacante this morning and are about to give further details. A 34-year-old Brazilian native was sentenced to life in prison a week before he scaled a wall and broke out of the Chester County prison. That was on August 31st. He was convicted of stabbing his former girlfriend to death in front of her two children. He's been on the lam and eluding hundreds of local and state federal officers for the past two weeks. He was considered armed and extremely dangerous after reportedly stealing a rifle earlier this week. So again, they're about to have a press conference, and we'll keep you up to date on that story. In other news this morning, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says there will be an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. McCarthy saying yesterday that they have uncovered credible allegations that President Biden was involved in his son's foreign business dealings while serving as the vice president. McCarthy said the allegations warranted further investigation by the U.S. House and that an impeachment inquiry was the logical next step. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, is strongly criticizing Joe Biden and the mayor of New York City over the immigration issue. While on the Clay and Buck show, Abbott said Mayor Eric Adams complaining his city is running out of room for migrants is basically outrageous. You know, if you think of New York City with its size and population, they cannot handle these. What about Del Rio and Eagle Pass and the other small towns along the border? They are incapable uh, of dealing with this large influx coming in. Abbott said he's getting together even more buses to send migrants to self-proclaimed sanctuary cities. He went on to say a Remain in Mexico policy shows the idiocy of the current administration. He said the logical thing to do is to reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy. A man facing charges connected to the disappearance of Natalie Holloway, seeking more time to prepare for his trial. Joran van der Sloot is accused of trying to extort Holloway's mother in 2010 for $250,000 in exchange for the location of her body. The Jefferson County native disappeared while on a trip to Aruba all the way back in 2005. Van der Sloot's legal team filed an extension to prepare yesterday, noting that prosecutors did not object. And Ford Motor Company CEO Jim Farley says the company has submitted a new contract offer to the UAW. He also says the offer includes pay raises, eliminating the two-tiered wage system, and is their most generous offer in the 80 years of the union. We're America's largest employer of automobile manufacturing in the U.S. It's very important that Ford gets this right. The union, though, has not reached any tentative deals yet with the big three. The current contract expires 11.59 tomorrow, and the UAW says they are ready to strike all three carmakers. 
Tech industry leaders will be on Capitol Hill to discuss artificial intelligence. That uh, discussion continues. Senators will hear from Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and others during a closed-door meeting. This comes as Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has prioritized bringing lawmakers up to speed on the rapidly advancing technology. And Lisa Taylor tells us an FDA advisory panel says a decongestant found in popular over-the-counter cold medicines, well, doesn't work. The panel unanimously came to an agreement on the ineffectiveness of phenylephrine on Tuesday. Decongestant is found in common medicines like Benadryl Allergy Plus Congestion and Sudafed PE. During a two-day meeting, results of studies that showed the decongestant wasn't more effective than placebo were presented by FDA scientists. The FDA will now decide whether or not the decongestant should be removed from products. And people who stay up late are at a greater risk of developing type 2 diabetes. That's according to a new study, and it says that night owls tend to eat worse and exercise less. Those night owls studied had a 19% greater chance of developing diabetes. And there's a nationwide shortage of laxative, apparently, thanks to a questionable new TikTok trend that is suggesting they can be used as an alternative to a weight loss drug, Ozempic. Doctors say this is a bad idea. You're going to get dehydrated. If it gets serious enough, it could impact your kidneys. That's Dr. Shahan Chowdhury with Tailored Health in Texas. And she says in the long term, the overuse of laxatives can have permanent damage to the body. And she said this is the same type of behavior that she's seen with anorexics and others with eating disorders. And she says it's likely the symptom of a much larger mental health issue. And finding our new segment at almost 14 minutes past the hour on a busy Wednesday morning, September 13th, Aaron Rial tells us when it comes to productivity, 85 is apparently a very important number. Many of us were raised on the mantra of give it your all, leave nothing on the table. But productivity experts now say to be your best, give it 85%. In a 2019 paper, researchers used machine learning to try and find the ideal level of difficulty to learn new things. The neural network they created meant to mimic the human brain learned best when it was faced with questions set to 85% difficulty, meaning it got questions right 85% of the time. If a task is too hard, humans get discouraged. On the flip side, if you never make any errors and you're 100% accurate and you can't learn from your mistakes. It is a Wednesday morning. Appreciate your listenership to EWTN. Check us out online at EWTN.com. Joan Lewis is traveling today, so she'll be joining us again next week, God willing. Robert Muse from Southeastern Michigan American Freedom Law Center in Ann Arbor is up next. A victory for religious freedom. Thank you, Jesus. And then we're also going to continue our conversation on religious freedom with Rick, or excuse me, Nick Reeves, who is a lawyer for Beckett. And this is a case that is making its way through the courts, actually just started the Wisconsin Supreme Court to decide if serving the poor is religious. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. Religious liberty. Thanks be to God. There are organizations such as the American Freedom Law Center, Alliance Defending Freedom, Beckett Fund, all those wonderful people who work so hard to defend us and defend our rights, our constitutional rights, for goodness sake. And someone who does that every single day is our friend Robert Muse. He's right in our own backyard in Ann Arbor, Michigan. 
American Freedom Law Center, and in studio with us this morning, deja vu all over again. You were just on with us for the, for the pledge drive, but we appreciate you coming back on. So, Rob, this is good news, thanks be to God, a victory, correct? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning. Great to, great to be with you again. Yeah, in, in, in so many respects, it was a breath of fresh air for me. I mean, we've been, we've been battling this issue with just these simple displays on this 40-acre property, these Stations of the Cross, this uh, mural wall with the image of Our Lady of Grace and a small altar um, on 40-acre rural property in, in Genoa Township. And this, this dispute's been going on since, you know, 2020. In fact, we filed the, our original preliminary injunction motion in, in 2021 after the township ran to a state court and got it in order to have them remove the displays. Went up to the Sixth Circuit one time, came back down. I had two judges rule against us on the preliminary injunction. Went back up to the Sixth Circuit, and finally, we uh, on Monday, the Sixth Circuit ruled unanimously. And, and quite frankly, what should be a fundamentally you know, straightforward case. And if you read that opinion, um, they made it very clear, 3 nothing, that this was, in fact, an egregious um, violation of uh, of our client's fundamental rights, and it's and it's interesting because you know we sued under this federal statute which protects uh, religious exercise in a land use context called the Religious Land Use Institutionalized Persons Act or RILUPA. Um, but it also it, it essentially it provides as a matter of federal statutory law the protection of free exercise, and and it was you know pretty clear that this is a violation, you know, th- and this is just a preliminary injunction just to get at least this pol- this preliminary allowance of the of using the property. Another part of the injunction was they also prohibit us the township also prohibit us from using this property for any organized gatherings. I mean, you got to be kidding me! It was just, mm. so they struck that part down. So now they can you know we've we've they've had masses out there before all of this nonsense started. With the Bishop Boyer, and um, and it's always you know been very peaceful, and it, it's it's really shocking to me at the lengths that the township is going, and that we're trying to get a, a small, really a, a modest adoration chapel, the St. Pio Chapel, ninety five. Yeah, I, I covered that story. In yeah, this is all part yeah, of it. Yeah. So this that's the next yeah. step is because they denied the special land use application for that. I mean, to, to submit these applications, the one with the for the chapel and with the prayer campus included. It was. It cost them like over thirty thousand dollars. I mean, it's just. Yeah. It's just crazy. And to think, just to have a small. I mean, my goodness. If you're a neighbor, and you know, there's forty acres property next to you, and they're just going to build a small adoration chapel, thirty nine parking spaces. And I challenge anybody who goes, you know, go to a CVS or any little shop, look in the parking lot, count how many parking count spaces, spaces. thirty nine is, right. and you'll see right. it is it is minuscule. It's ministry. 39 parking spaces, a small adoration chapel, 95 uh, seats on a prayer campus. It's 40 acres. They're only building on five acres of the 40, and, that, and those five acres have already been cleared. They're leaving all the wooded nature because it's a very serene place to pray. And they have the, the Stations of the Cross Trail, which is that mm-hmm. was part of the injunction we got. They're also going to have um, you know other prayer trails with... Um, with other, you know, like a, uh, the, um, you know, different aspects of the, the Catholic faith with statute, statutes and signs and so forth. But it's going to be a place where people can go and just quietly, you know, quietly pray, enjoy the nature, and and you know, adore Christ in the in the uh, in the Adoration Chapel and and uh, and it's it's amazing the the battle we're going through to just amazing. get this. And but you know, we thank you know, thanks be to God, we had uh, 
you know, we got this victory. And I, you know, when I, you know, I talk to my clients about this, I, I think about in, you know, in the Old Testament how how God, you know, uh, stiffened the neck and hardened the heart of Pharaoh mm-hmm. because the people hadn't suffered enough before He was gonna, mm. you know, free them. And I just keep thinking when I see some of these decisions from the judges and some, I, I just shake my head. It's like, my goodness, where what world am I living in? And I just keep right. thinking that that's, you know, what we perhaps haven't suffered enough. And and it's interesting because you know, it's, Saint Padre Pio is their patron saint, and and mm. um, and Cano Burke is the spiritual advisor for this whole project. You know, and right. he told Jerry Palazzolo, who is the head of uh, Catholic Healthcare International, that he said, look, when you, when you chose St. Padre Pio to be a patient <laughs> saint, there's going to be some suffering along the way. So yeah. just, just, you know, be yeah. prepared, gird your loins, as it were. And so, you know, it's just a, um, it's just a long, long uh, battle. Um, this was a very, very good victory. Like I said, for me, it was kind of a, a breath of fresh air and kind of a shot in the arm because I do this every day and I... I shake my head. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Does Do we not have fundamental rights anymore in this country? Mm-hmm. And 40-acre and properties with just this modest prayer trail. Meanwhile, you know, they've admitted in depositions and everything, next door you could have 200 people over to watch, a you know, a football game. Or, you know, put up birdhouses the size of the Stations of the Cross. Or, you know, they have, for example, in Halloween, they you can drive, there's, there's a, you know, one house that had this 12-foot tall skeleton Right, you know, mm-hmm. in the front yard, no permits necessary, and you know, and, and their claim is that oh, it's public safety. I saw that statement, you know, um, actually in related in light of this decision, some one of the township officials said, oh, we're concerned now about public safety. It's like public safety. Public safety. And one of the concerns for you know for having structures on the property or signs or religious displays and that sort of thing is that you want to be distracting to motorists. You don't, you know, you don't want to cause any safety issues. This thing's in the woods; you can't even see any of these. This this twelve foot statues right there at the edge of the road. Right, it's there's nobody that's inspecting that to see if it's going to fall into the road or anything and when i asked the you know the the township's witness about that you know her response was oh that's cool right so this 12 foot sta- statue is cool but a 10 foot tall image of our of our of our lady of grace is uh yeah, somehow, God forbid, yeah pun intended yeah it's you know? such a I mean, uh, it's seriously. a nuisance right that's really that's yeah. what they did when they sued in state court they sued to remove these as a nuisance that but they the owned basis. the property. Catholic Healthcare International yeah. owned the property, and well, and so they did not have the right to do what they wanted as long as it, if they were in. Yeah, obviously, they they had to follow certain rules and regulations and laws. But this is their property. They bought it, and the people when they purchased a property must have known there were going to be something Catholic on the property. Yeah, there's, and there's you know this certainly was a reasonable expectation because the they, uh, building churches and other places of religious expression was a permitted use in that in that uh, zoning district. What this comes down to is number. One, I, th- I think there's uh, I think there's an anti-Catholic sentiment in in the neighborhood out there that's the, and and at least others in the township that are getting a voice somehow on those making decisions. But at the end of the day, it's really it's this petty tyranny of uh, people who are in charge of zoning boards. I mean, it's 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 inherent in the nature of government, right? It's what our founding fathers understood, and you know, very in a, a very real sense when they created the Constitution, is to divide powers, have separation of powers, protection of fundamental rights. Because when you have this kind of power, and you anybody who do, works in zoning, they they see this, right? They these these petty tyrants in these little townships um, that just want to control every aspect of your life. If this, and you know, they get their back up when when uh, you know somebody like us comes in and we have to sue them and we get a you know a favorable decision. So I'm curious to see if there's going to be an adult in the room there in the township who looks at this decision and says, you know what, we got to end this litigation now because quite frankly, this is a case where we get our attorneys' fees too, and they're running up pretty high after after three years. It's somebody there in the township say look we got it this is this it's inevitable that we're going to lose this case ultimately we got to allow them to build this chapel and let's get this thing done because if we're going to do everything for we're going to put in a commercial driveway put in the deceleration acceleration lanes 
the the whole project with the chapel was approved by the planning commission. The planning commission even said on the record that CHI went above and beyond all the requirements as necessary. But yet the township board then uh, denied the um, denied the application. Mm. So it's it's just it's just a long, long back. So we've been doing this for three years, and it's, it's going to be years ahead of us if they if they don't if they're not willing to just. So they could they could push out. forward though if they still want to fight this though. Well, yeah, because we right. still have to get the chapel on. So the, yeah. that app that part of it. This is a preliminary injunction. So right. we still we still got a ways to go. We still got to get through full discovery and everything else. So this is this this is this could take another couple of years. But hey, we're you know we're in this for the you know for the right reasons and to, to fight the the good well, fight. See, they count on people getting weary exactly. and tired, yet they don't yes. know you, a, a no. marine. <laughs> <laughs> they do now. Yeah, they do now. Uh, Robert Muse, more with Robert Muse of the American Freedom Law Center. A victory for right now, and hopefully it will continue. More on the importance of religious freedom in our country and how we have to fight for it. We'll be right back. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Catholic Connection, the show co-produced by Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. You can find us online, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Rob Muse, a big friend of ours at both EWTN and Ave Maria, and was in earlier this week to support the radio station during our fall membership drive. Many Catholic radio stations are having their drives right now because we do fall and spring, and everybody kind of follows a similar pattern around the country. So if you are not aware of your local station having a drive, please check it out because we need to work together hand-in-hand again with our radio affiliates around the country in EWTN. So, Rob, you and I were talking during the break. I've had the opportunity to have Jerry Pelozolo on the show many times, both in the local and national hour of Catholic Connection. I've also emceed an event with Cardinal Burke and Bishop Boyer and Jerry with wonderful people working on this project. And we were talking during the break. You couldn't ask for nicer neighbors in a community and imagine the peace, the peace having this prayer area right there. And yet, oh no, can't have them move in. We don't want Jesus and Mary. Can't have them. It just, it just boggles the mind. No, it? it it does. And and you know, we also had mentioned about how they just you you mentioned how they just want to wear you know wear people down and right. And uh, you know, Catholic Healthcare International is a a nonprofit uh, you know organization. And I can tell you right now, even with the litigation for three, everything we've had to battle on the state court side, on the federal court side, I mean, our attorney's fees are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And mm-hmm. we're doing this pro bono for them. And, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the funds to be able to, uh, you know, to, to fight these, uh, these types of battles. And, and I think the other side kind of makes that, that calculation when they're doing the, uh, you know, the things that they're doing. Um, but yeah, it's it's like so. What what would you want as a neighbor? Even if you even if you were you know anti-Catholic, as it were, why wouldn't you want a you know a a prayer campus, a wooded prayer trail? What, would you rather have you know somebody pull in there and and build you know build a you know a pig farm or something? I just yeah. don't I just don't get why or a rowdy bar or something you know. No, and, just, yeah, and, yeah. and there's all sorts of you know and and the neighbors have all sorts of events. I mean, we continue to keep track of that and you know take photographs of you know houses on that same street that have cars parked up and down the road, you know, 20, 30, 40 cars all over the place and different events with hundreds of people in their homes. And But that's fine, but you can't have, you know, the 39, you know, cars parked in a, uh, in a rural, you know, parking lot to go to, you know, to go to mass or to, you know, to quietly pray on the, uh, on the trails. You know, just, and it's interesting because just down the road, just several miles away, the township itself has its own park. On 38 acres, so it's two acres less. Has multiple sports fields. It has like this water misting park uh, thing. It has you know play sets. It has you know this large pavilions and and oh by the way it has 200 parking spaces. 
It's mm. like, so when you're comparing, it's like, how is it that you, you know, just a few miles down the road, you have this, you know, secular park, as it were, that's far more, far more impactful, you know, by, by a magnitude, and yet there's concern about this, this small um, prayer campus. It's not about that, though. It's about, it's about persecution of the church, and, and it's about telling people of faith that you're not welcome here, and, and, and we think you're judgmental and mean and, and self-righteous and everything else that goes with that. We're talking with Rob Muse of the American Freedom Law Center. A victory right now, but it, think about this. So you mentioned this started, what, three years ago, right? Yeah, it's in, in, in 2020 is when they got the property. That's We filed the lawsuit in 2021, but from September of 2020 until we had to sue finally sue in june we just kept running into roadblocks they tried every they like i said they even submitted this this onerous application that they were demanding it cost them thirty thousand dollars at the end of the day to to make all the requests that they demanded for the approvals and by the way it was proved by the planning commission it was proved by the road commission it was proved by the township's own uh experts they hired this you know incredible engineering firm chi at great cost to make sure they had all their you know t's crossed i's dotted everything else and then it went to the board and the board denied it and that's mm. that and we're at no point choice that look we have to sue and we sued them under under federal law under the, the federal um you know the first amendment as well as that uh, federal statute the religious land use institutionalized persons act law so you um, have three years here in this case yeah, we had the case yeah. of the michigan farmer who eventually won but that case went on for six years yeah six years yeah I, it's I, cases i tell my clients that these things can last up to five years and especially if you go up to the supreme court if you try to give it just adds even uh even more. This case is already in three years without even getting into discovery right now. Right. So we haven't even had a scheduling conference on setting briefing schedule and everything else. It's already gone wow. up to the Sixth Circuit twice. So it's, yeah, these, these battles can, can take a long time. But you know what? You, you can't be weary. You gotta, you gotta stay the fight. And no, um, because they want. That's they're trying yeah. to wear you down, as as we were saying earlier before the break. That's why this is so important. So, what other areas, in terms of different cases that are out there, what you're getting a sense of as a as a religious freedom attorney, Rob, that you're very concerned about? Yeah, well, it's it's always you know to me one of the big, my biggest concerns is um, is freedom of speech, right? Because that mm. it ties in well with with uh, free exercise. Because they always people of faith, they always you know want to label that speech as hate speech and. And, you know, actually, and this is, it's, it's somewhat related because it's, it was for uh, religious reasons that many of these parents in Loudoun County, Virginia, you know, spoke out at the right. school boards about some of this curriculum. And, oh, my goodness, have you seen some of this, these books and things that they're, they're putting yes. in the elementary schools mm-hmm. from the LGBTQ, you know, it, they're, they're grotesque, they're pornographic. You know, and parents speaking out, and as, you know, the, the Attorney General Merrick Garland has gone after these parents as domestic terrorists, right? He he famously, you know, he issued that uh, October fourth memo and with great public fanfare to put a shot across the bow and and creating these threat tags for these parents who uh, who just you know care about their children and want to express their concerns to the school board to silence them and to you know to have them sit back down and think twice about whether or not they're going to petition the school boards to challenge these you know so called progressive policies. I'll be arguing that case because so we sued him on behalf of a bunch of parents, including um, half a dozen of them in Loudoun County, and I'll be arguing that case uh, next Friday, the the following a week from this Friday, in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit wow. um, against uh, the the Attorney General, and you know it's. And, you know, the, the that's the court he came from, right? He was a judge on the on the uh, in the D.C. Circuit, mm-hmm. but that's the court that has jurisdiction. So, but these these battles um, they have to go on. You know, and the other part of it, and this thing I, I try to remind people all the time is, look, I'm just a lawyer, right? I'm the advocate. Unless I have clients like the clients like CHI or these parents in Loudoun County who say, you know what, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise my hand and I want to fight this. I want to stand up. Um, that's the only way I can bring these lawsuits. 
Right. Because you have to have people that are willing to, to stand up and to, and to, you know, fight for their, their freedoms. Right? Ronald Reagan famously said that, you know, our, our freedoms weren't handed down through the bloodstream. They must be, you know, protected um, and fought for each generation unless, you know, they're lost. And, and we've seen this, this slow erosion of our, uh, of our fundamental rights. And so, and everybody has a responsibility in this. Right. And of course, I've said mm-hmm. time again that, you know, to uphold a party's constitutional rights is it promotes the public interest because everybody has an interest in protecting the fundamental those fundamental freedoms and when i talk about these you know these these um uh these newly created rights that come out of nowhere right from right when, on we're talking about these these god-given rights that our founding fathers understood and enshrined them in the uh in the bill of rights and first and foremost of those are you know the right to freedom of speech and the right to free exercise of religion and those two are, are very much related and those are those are the those that's the area the main battleground that we're uh, we're um we're seeing and you mentioned about you know the case up in uh wisconsin you know, yeah, feeding the poor. Yeah, yeah, feeding the poor mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is that you know is that religious exercise? It's like I, I mean, it's it's a it's so fundamental. The fact you'd even have to ask that question, ask that question, shows where we are as a uh, as a nation. And that's one of the points yeah. I've you know I've made about this case too. It's yeah, I'm, uh, it was a breath of fresh air. I'm so thankful to God for this you know this ruling from the Sixth Circuit. But my goodness, the fact it took you know this long and through so mm-hmm. many judges to finally get a unanimous panel to do what what should be plain um, to the eye and, to, and under the law, that's that's an indictment of where we are as a, as a nation. Absolutely. But, so the but thanks to be to God for for strong people like you, Rob, and your willingness to fight this on behalf of those who want to stand up and protect our rights. Are God-given in our constitutional rights. Rob Muse at the American Freedom Law Center. The website is AmericanFreedomLawCenter.org. Again, AmericanFreedomLawCenter.org. Check out his great work there. More discussion on religious freedom. Gee, is feeding the poor religious? Hmm. We'll think and talk about that next. Stay tuned. needy religious. Well, let's go to scripture. For starters, we could also go, of course, to Catholic teaching in a number of ways, a number of areas. In Matthew 25, 35, 45. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And on and on and on. I think it's pretty obvious. Except when I saw this press release from Beckett Law, I was like, are they serious? Not Beckett Law, but, but the courts, so the Supreme Court. But yes, unfortunately, this is where we are, as Rob Mews from American Freedom Law Center just said, in the case that he's been dealing with for three years. So yeah, this is what's happening in our country. This is how ridiculous this situation is with people attacking our religious rights. So we have Nick Reeves, who is counsel at Beckett Law. So Nick, thanks for joining us. Give us the summary of this case and where it stands now at the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yes. So in this case, uh, Wisconsin law says that if you're controlled by a church and if you're operated primarily for religious purposes, then you're exempt from this unemployment compensation program. Now, Catholic Charities Bureau of the Diocese of Superior in Wisconsin is obviously controlled by a church. And the main thing they do is provide services to the hungry, to the needy, and to the disabled. And so we are arguing that they're operated for religious purposes. It's They're living out the Diocese of Superior's uh, call to care for those in need. And they do this work for everybody. Um, they, don't, they don't proselytize while they provide services, and all that's in line with Catholic Church teaching. But what Wisconsin has said is you're not 
you're not doing religious work. You're just doing the same thing a secular charity could do, so you're not actually operated for religious purposes. And uh, we were in the Wisconsin Supreme Court this past week explaining to them um, why, why that's wrong. I'm I'm speechless, which doesn't happen very very often. It's so ridiculous that they could even bring this question forward, is it not? I would agree. Um, You know, the argument that Wisconsin is making uh, is actually religious discrimination. What they're saying is to be religious, you have to proselytize. You have to, um, you can only, you have to engage in religious worship services. But actually, some of the judges on the Wisconsin Supreme Court recognize that for a lot of faiths, it's, a lot of faiths don't, don't proselytize when they provide charity. They mention Judaism, Catholicism. Uh, we had an amicus brief from the Hare Krishnas saying, we don't proselytize, but what we do is still very religious. So, so the approach that Wisconsin is trying to take here um, you know, runs right into constitutional issues, is inconsistent with the text of the statute, which says we should look to the purpose, the reason why you're doing something, the motivation. And the motivation is undoubtedly religious. The reason the Catholic Church operates Catholic Charities Bureau is out of its its religious desire to care for those in need, like the, the scripture passages you just quoted. Mm-hmm. So where this is now in the Supreme Court, correct? So how far are you along in this case? That's right. So my colleague just argued this case in the Wisconsin Supreme Court earlier this week. Um, we're expecting a decision. It's a seven justice court. We're expecting a decision from them in the next several months. Um, we're hoping that they will, will do the right thing and recognize that Catholic Charities Bureau is, is a religious entity operated for religious purposes. Um, if they do that, then the case is over and we've won. If not, we'll have to think about whether we should take this up to the United States Supreme Court. So, and let me just ask you this from a legal perspective, in terms of presenting your case, I would think it would be pretty easy. I mean, I just read the scripture verses that remind us, of course, of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, but Catholic teaching has so much on taking care of those most vulnerable, the needy, you know, the unborn. We could, mm-hmm. All you have to do is open the catechism. So I, I think it would be, there's so much evidence to show that this is part of who we are. That's absolutely right. It's, it's all over our briefs as well. Um, you know, the position that Wisconsin has taken is, uh, unless what you're doing is, is basically uniquely religious, like if, you know, then it's religious. So, for example, um, they've said you have to engage in religious worship services, or you have to proselytize. But if some secular organization does the same thing, then you're not really doing a religious activity. And, and we don't think that makes a lot of sense. You know, for example, what if you have some bread and drink some wine um, for dinner, that's not, that's not the same thing as going to Mass and having a religious service where, you know, the body and the blood of Christ are presented in that form. So it's, it's a very silly position. I think the Wisconsin Supreme Court recognized that it doesn't make a lot of sense, um, the position they're, they're adopting, and so we're, we're hopeful for a good outcome. So why do you think they're doing this? What, what's, the, what's the reasoning or the mentality behind it, do you think, Nick? Um. You know, I think that's a good question. Uh, one thing we emphasized is that the Catholic, Catholic Charities Bureau wants to get out of the state unemployment compensation benefits program so they can join the Catholic Church's own program, which provides the same benefits and is less expensive, and that allows Catholic Charities Bureau to use the money it's saving to serve more people. 
So there's really no reason for Wisconsin um, to be fighting so hard in this case because Catholic Charities employees are still going to be covered by, are still going to have unemployment benefits, in, you know, in case they lose their job. And a more efficient system means more charitable work uh, for those in need. So there's, there's really no reason. So what's their argument then? What are they basing this on? Um, you know, they're basing their argument on the text of the statute. And what they say is, uh, even though the statute says primarily religious purposes, what they say is, well, that really just means we can look at the activities you're engaged in. And Catholic Charities Bureau, um, they care for the disabled, uh, they provide food to the hungry, and secular people can do those things too. So therefore, you're not religious. That, that really is the, the heart of their argument. Talking with Nick Reeves, counsel at Beckett Law, the story uh, in the Supreme Court right now, actually this week, Wisconsin Supreme Court to decide if serving the poor is religious. So you sound, though, very optimistic for right now. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm, I remain hopeful. I, I do think our argument makes better sense of Wisconsin law. Um, I think the court recognized that if they adopt the other side's position, there's really serious constitutional problems, because you can't you can't discriminate on the basis of religion. And if you're saying that some religious practices qualify for the exemption and some don't, based on what type of beliefs you have, um, that's a problem. But think about this, and I'm sure you have, and I'm sure your team has, has, has thought about how ridiculous this whole situation is, because what they want to do is to allow themselves to have more money to still take care of their employees, to have more money to do that work of the church in, in helping out those in need, to help more people in the state of Wisconsin, and we're often criticized in the church and Catholic Church and other Christian organizations and entities and and different uh, denominations outside the church that we don't do enough, that we literally do not put our money where our mouth is, especially they attack us in in the pro-life community for that. And yet here is this case where they're trying to do the responsible thing as well as the the faith-based thing that they need to do, to be responsible with their money and to take more of that money to make sure that they can serve even more people and they're being chastised for it and taken to the courts. That's exactly right. I think, you know, I think stewardship is really important and something that they talk a lot about. You know, how are we using the gifts that we've been given in the best way possible? And, you know, finding a more efficient administrative process uh, that will allow them to serve more people is important. And I think the other principle is a principle of subsidiarity, pushing down more decisions to... Um, smaller organizations and lower levels in the community, and that's what the Catholic Church does by by setting up these um, these different entities, these uh, Catholic Charities bureaus, separate from the church because they operate to serve those in need. And you know what Wisconsin is doing here is is penalizing them um, for both of those decisions. So, Nick, what else are you seeing on the horizon? I asked this of Rob Muse, who was just on with me before you came on, doing the whole show today on religious freedom. What concerns you out there? What are some other cases? What do you think we're, we're looking at in terms of challenges, and not just for Catholics, but other people of faith? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one issue we are seeing a lot is um, whether organizations can remain Catholic and still participate in kind of the public sphere, whether they can... Um, you know, still continue to receive grants to help those in need or participate in um, scholarship or tuition funding programs while maintaining their religious beliefs. So I think that's an issue um, that's that we're seeing in a lot of different cases and that will continue to be a big issue going forward. How long have you been doing this type of law in the religious freedom arena? Um, I've been at Beckett for about six years now. 
Okay, so when you started, and when you obviously had an interest in this type of work, did you ever think it would get as crazy as it is now? I mean, you, you just must sit there and shake your head at times. Mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I, I personally went to a Catholic school growing up, and I felt like, um, you know, Catholic beliefs were, were kind of very well um, accepted, very uh, kind of a normal part of um, society and, and daily life. But I, I think, uh, you know, over the years we've seen a number of challenges, like the Little Sisters of the Poor case, um, like this case, and others where I think society maybe doesn't understand some of the nuances and, and some of the beauty of the Catholic faith. And that's something that, that um, especially in this case in particular, we're, we're trying to show that, that charity can be religious and that charity is religious. So in some ways, I think this could be a good, I'm saying this, um, and I don't mean to be sarcastic, but this could be a good PR moment in terms of showing exactly what we do do and that we're trying to do the right thing and we're trying to live out our faith in the public square. Mm-hmm. I hope that's right. I, I do hope that um, you know, people kind of look at the work that Catholic Charities Bureau is doing um, and kind of see all the ways in which they're helping the community. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily going to move the court, um, but, but maybe it will. Yeah, maybe it will. Well, but at least if, 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 and also in addition to God willing, the court ruling uh, correctly on this, obviously, having to do with the constitutional issues, but to really put the spotlight out there so you could do more interviews like this, talking about what we do as Catholics and why we do this, and that when we are serving people, we're not going around, whether it's at a, a pro-life center, you know, pregnancy resource center, or if it's at a soup kitchen, we're not going around asking for people's Catholic cards. We are doing this because this is what we are called to do, to help everyone. Obviously, we want all men and women to be saved, mm-hmm. as God does. That's, that's what he tells us. But we know that we have to meet people where they're at, and we do that every single day in the church. Well, thank you for this. We're going to be praying. Any idea how soon a decision could come down from the high court in Wisconsin? I think it's likely to be several months, probably at least okay. three or four months. But um, we'll see. All right, Nick. Well, thank you so much, and God bless your work at Beckett Law. Again, we've been talking about this case, uh, Beckett Law. You can get more information at beckettlaw.org. And this is an important case, as was the one we were talking about with Robert Muse of the American Freedom Law Center. Nick Reeves can be found at Beckett Law, and the website is beckettlaw.org. Again, beckettlaw.org. It is a Wednesday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in to Catholic Connection, co-produced by Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. And we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for tuning in to Catholic Connection. Once again, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. Tomorrow and Friday, we have uh, special shows for you. Deacon Dom and I, please keep us in your prayers. We're traveling for our 40th wedding anniversary, which is actually coming up this weekend. I cannot believe it. 40 years. I can remember growing up and seeing people who were married 25, 30, 35 40, 50 years, as in my grandparents and my parents, and 50 years plus, and thinking, wow, they're really old. <laughs> and now I'm 40 years married. Praise God, because it's a miracle. And I mean, we, if you know our story, what we went through, and the fact that we're married, and the fact that Dom's a deacon and I'm a Catholic talk show host, never would have expected it. But I want to say that to give you hope. If you know someone who's struggling in their marriage, that's why we promote a lot of marriage ministries on EWTN and Ave Maria Radio because so many of us know how important it is to help couples who are struggling. Do not give up. 
get help, especially good Catholic help. You know, go to Marriage Encounter, Retrovi, Julian Greg Alexander, the Alexander House. They were on with this yesterday. And again, take your marriage to the foot of the cross where everything begins. So we have a special edition of Catholic Connection. Uh, some new interviews, and we'll be with you Thursday and Friday. Good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. But again, I won't be live. I'll be pre-recorded tomorrow. We have a fascinating interview all about the National Association of Catholic Chaplains, a ministry you might not have considered, but it really is quite beautiful. Preston Becker is going to be with us, and then we're also going to be talking about Pope Francis and his efforts to try and end the era of fossil fuel. A very interesting perspective from writer and speaker and theologian Dr. Thomas Williams. Have a great Wednesday. God love you, and we'll talk to you Thursday and Friday. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.